Thanks for joining us today on a special episode of the Jesus Famous Podcast with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Today we have a special guest in the studio sharing their story about how Jesus has changed their life. Join us as we discuss stories and discover how Jesus is famous in the testimonies of those around us. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. I'm Nate Holdridge and today we have a special conversation with one of the members of Calvary Monterey, the church that I pastor, a man named Ernst Van Egan. I wanted to say on the front end of this interview that uh, Ernst uh, and Gretchen's story has some delicate grief-oriented subjects. Uh, They lost a young child named Sam when he was five months old. So I wanted to say that at the outset because if that's something that you're just in a stage of life where you're not ready for that, it's a little too tender uh, or for whatever reason, then you might want to skip this episode. Otherwise, I really think you'll be edified and encouraged uh, by the way the Lord took them through that season and what God is doing in their lives uh, today. So thanks again for joining the Jesus Famous podcast, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing in our lives, and thanks for letting us join together with you. Enjoy. All right, Ernst. So that, that's your truck that I saw out there in the parking lot, right? Right. The crazy thing is you look like a Texan. You're married to a woman from Oklahoma. Right. You work in the produce industry, mm-hmm. but you don't sound like a Texan. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, um, I was... Uh, I, what you hear is a Dutch accent, but... Um, I, I was born here, so um, in a way, um, I was born here at Chump, so I'm not really sure what you're referring to, but uh, <laughs> I was raised in Holland, yes. Uh, my parents were Dutch, and they lived here for a couple of years, and um, I was, me and my twin brother were one when we moved back to Holland, and we had very little to do with that. And I decided to return to this area in 2000. So, yeah. yes, it's a heavy Dutch accent. But believe me, it was a lot heavier when I just moved here. I bet. I remember one of my friends who was uh, in the military here. They were moving to Holland. They, had a, they were being stationed there for a season. And one of my favorite stories, she, she talked about walking into the local shopping center. It was the Gap at the Del Monte Shopping Center. And... Um, the girl behind the register, somehow it came up that she was moving to Holland and the girl behind the register said, what do they speak there? Hollish? <laughs> you ever heard that one? Anybody ever I haven't ask heard that? Hollish. I've heard, I've heard if the Dane, the people from Denmark speak Danes, where, what do people from Holland speak? Um, no, we don't speak Holes. We speak Dutch. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, well, Ernst, it's a blessing to have you, you know, here talking with uh, us at the Jesus Famous Podcast. Uh, for those who, you know, don't know you, don't know your story, I think they're going to be greatly blessed and edified uh, today. And those who, of course, do know you are going to be encouraged and reminded as well of God's grace and faithfulness in your life. Uh, you're a member of the church here in that, you know, you're part of the church, you serve in the church, you're deeply involved in the community of the church, and you have mm-hmm. been so for a number of years. And it's just been a blessing for me, you know, as your pastor, uh, to watch you and Gretchen and to see the girls and just watch what God is doing in your life. And I got to say, you're one of the most, you know, when, 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 when uh, as a Bible teacher, you know, when you're up there and you're declaring the word, you just there's something that you do subconsciously where you're looking for the uh, receptive kind of like those eyes of affirmation. You know, sometimes it's not even true. It's just maybe like an, uh, an older woman who just like smiles a lot or something. She's not even really tracking with you, but it helps you in the delivery. And I got to say, you are one of those guys. You, I, I can just tell like God is ministering to you. You're a man who loves the word. You're on the edge of your seat wanting to hear from God each week. And you've always been so encouraging to me. So it's an honor for me to be able to talk to you and kind of ask you, you know, some questions about your story. And I wanted to just really, I mean, so much of your story is really intertwined with some significant tragedy Mm -hmm. in your life. And so 
if we could back up, you mentioned, you know, being born in Carmel, born at Chomp. I was born at Chomp also. That's the community hospital of the Monterey Peninsula for those who aren't in the know. Uh, and then you moved back to Holland. And how old were you when you left Holland and came back to the States? I was 27 years old. So I was very much still a child. Um, but yeah, 27. Okay. And what yeah. brought you back to the States? What was your goal, desire? Um... It's always a little bit of a complicated answer that I have to give because um, there were a lot of things going on in my life. And um, the reason I, I moved to the U.S. was, in a sense, get away from um, what I felt the grip of my family, uh, the grip of the history of my family, the grip of the expectations that the family had or that I felt like they did, um, I, f I wanted to make my own decisions and make my own money and put my own fingerprint on the world and not follow in the steps of generations before me that had lived a life that was in line with the family's expectations. So... Um, Essentially, what it meant for me is that at one point after college, uh, I was working in the, in the shipping industry, um, and I was, in a way, being prepared to join the family company. Um, you were not expected to join immediately, but you had to earn your stripes elsewhere for several years before you would join, and, and um, there was always some pressure on me because... Um, I was the oldest uh, of the oldest and so on. Uh, so I always felt that there was a big expectation on me to join the family company. And um, for a long time, I was totally cool with that. And from one moment to the other, something awakened almost in me. And I felt like I was held captive, hostage maybe in a sense that very little of the decisions I'd made in my life before were actually mine, that I was being groomed for something. Um, and um, I rebelled and I, I told him I was, I was, I was going to go. The only way for me to move out of their grip was to move away. And um, since I was born here, I had a dual citizenship and um, so I wanted to go abroad. I could go because of my dual nationality. And when you live in Holland, we're used to a lot of rain and bad weather. Summer is somewhere between three and four days. <laughs> so I was going to look for a sunny spot. So I, I looked at sunny places to maybe move into. I, I knew I wanted to move into the food industry. And through fate, I came across a company here locally in, on the Monterey Peninsula called Monterey Pasta Company. And um, I harassed the, the, the CEO of the company for months. And um, I think he ended up caving in and um, brought you on board. Brought me on board. Wow. Um, yeah. So you came to the area, and at yeah. that time, you, you didn't know the Lord yet? I did not, know. I, I grew up in a family that when uh, my brother and I were really young, we, we did go to church. We went to Sunday school, uh, but both my parents, uh, and especially my dad, stepped away from the faith. Um, I think it left some deep scars because um, my family is, uh, by nature, um, has been a Christian family. Uh, it has been really a dominating factor in the really old history of the family and uh, even the family company, where Christianity played a very, very strong role on the survival even of the company and, and the ethics that they worked from. Mm. But my grandfather was one of those Christians that was very condemning. And um, when he, I remember vividly when he would speak of the fear of God, I don't think he got the word fear right. Mm. I didn't think he spoke of reverence. I think he spoke of actual fear that mm -hmm. you may go to hell if mm -hmm. you do certain things. 
my father and mother had gone through hardship in their lives. I used to have an older sister, and uh, she passed away. That was actually the reason we moved back to Holland, because she was sick. And I think something broke in them, and they... Uh, they they walked away from the faith completely uh, from pretty much one moment to the other. So I knew a few stories from the Bible from early on, but um, I certainly wasn't a Christian when I moved mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Well, so walk me through then how you came to be in the faith. And I know that's a, I know there's a big answer to yeah. that question. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you know, it involves quite a bit of your own tragedy mm-hmm. and stories. So right. I know that it involves you meeting Gretchen and yep. getting married. So mm-hmm. tell me how that unfolded. Um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it started with Gretchen, with my wife. Um, I moved here and I was very single at the time. And um, that's very single in the nicest possible way. <laughs> okay. um, I was enjoying life in all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met Gretchen, which is a very serendipitous story because she worked in a building next door to mine and a FedEx package with her name on it got misdelivered to my office. And she worked at a, at a TV station and I knew as a aggressively single man that that's not a bad place to find pretty girls. And I didn't know who this Gretchen was, so I, I called them up and have them leave Gretchen a message come and get that package at you know the building next door and when I saw her I can honestly say for me I I knew something clicked immediately Um, for me you know the love at first sight was certainly um, certainly there I knew that there was something special about her she didn't share that sentiment I think uh, at the time um, but I found out well, she's American. We don't believe in that in America. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, <laughs> so she was, um, uh, not giving me any signals back, but I found out through coworkers who she was. And I found out that she had a boyfriend at the time. I was disappointed, but, um, I, um, I did decide that I wanted to get to know her, uh, in a, in a, in a proper way. So, at several events, I made sure to be there as well and always sit next to her and be very polite and uh, very um, gentleman-like and funny and entertaining. And, you know, um, that seems to work, apparently. Um, but I never hit on her because she had a boyfriend and not because I was holy or anything. I just had something like there's plenty of fish in the, in the ocean still, that kind of mindset. But mm. I was definitely attracted to her. And then I found out that... A couple of months later that she wasn't with that guy anymore and and uh, I decided to ask her out so she she came over to my place on a Sunday night and uh, I actually cooked her a shark I, I bought a fresh shark here at the at the commercial wharf that and, feels like some kind of power move oh, I don't totally. know just yeah I'm gonna cook you shark <laughs> yes. for our first date. Right, right, right. What I, is the subliminal message there? I don't even think I want to know. I, I think Nate, you will know. But um, it is. I wanted to show that I have a, had a softer side, but but with some power behind it I as well. See. Oh yeah, and, I get and, it now. And I and I knew how to cook a shark. Um, I didn't know that she was from Oklahoma, and they really don't eat fish there in, to begin with. So I think she faked her way through that dinner and, and took a few bites. But uh, our f- we, we fell in love that night. Uh, we really did. And head over heels. And I knew she was the girl I was going to marry. Wow. I, I remember calling my mom. I said, I, I met her. I know I have. Wow. And, uh, which is a very cool thing to experience. And Gretchen was... Um, she, she was walking with, with, with Jesus. She knew who he was. She was a believer. And she asked me if I wanted to join her to church on Sundays. And I played soccer on Sunday. So I had some hesitation and some excuses very often not to go. But I really enjoyed going. And this was a little church in Carmel. And it felt really good. And, and the stories were f- nice. And the people were nice. So I felt really good about going to church, but it almost felt more like a, like a piece of gum, 
it feels nice and fresh and half an hour later it's pretty much gone wow so in those in that period i really never established even a personal relationship yeah and and, and you're not saying it was because of the church in carmel was the way it was but you just weren't regenerate yet you didn't know the lord yet i did not know yeah. the lord yet. no they're wonderful people and and a great teacher and we just uh, we we loved the place i just had no idea what it required mm-hmm. to you know open up your heart to 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 christ mm-hmm. So, um, but I was very, I, I've never been an atheist. Um, I believed in something, probably God, but I just, I didn't have time for this kind of stuff. That's kind of my mindset. And if I had a game at um, 11 in the morning, then I would choose the game over, over, over church. Uh, and that has changed clearly, but uh, that's... Thank you, that's, brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, thank you for that. But yeah, that's how she, she was the one that introduced me to church. Okay. Yeah. So you guys eventually get married mm-hmm. and you're still, you know, you're, you're going to church, but I think looking back, you probably wouldn't yet describe yourself as a believer. And then mm-hmm. as the years tick by, you guys start saying to yourselves, Hey, let's start a family right. and tell me about that process. What was that like for you? But so, I, actually, I do want to ask you, I want to go back. I want to ask you, what what have been some of the challenges for you in, I mean, you're, you're from Holland, you're a European man, she is from mid-America, from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get two more different kind of cultures and contexts to, right. to kind of merge together, mm-hmm. so could you give all of us listening, like a, some pro tips, what have, what have been things that have been helpful to the two of you in marriage? in dealing with those differences? I think, you know, I, I think the real reason why it worked for us, because it is an absolute clash of cultures. Amsterdam is arguably the most liberal place in the world, and northwestern Oklahoma, they're cowboys, they're probably the most conservative place in the mm-hmm. world. Um, the two didn't clash. I think the love that we had for each other and <clears throat> the desire to get to, to really get to know each other and to want to get to know each other, I think that's the reason why it worked for us. Mm. Sure, I want to say that, um, you, know, I, you know, I had a desire to know almost like cowboy kind of life and so on. That wasn't the case. I just loved this woman. Mm. And I wanted to understand where she was coming from. And she loved me. And she wanted to understand where I was from and, mm. and, and, and what, what got me here. So I think it was really a, a desire to get to know each other really yeah. intimately like yeah. that as well. That really speaks to me because not just for marriage, but of course we live in a very divided time Mm -hmm. and even within the church you can have people who agree to the basic core tenets of the christian faith but who in secondary or even tertiary and beyond matters are in disagreement and sometimes can be pretty divided Mm -hmm. because of those disagreements but that just simple answer from you that well it was our love for each other mm-hmm. that drove us to, even though we had those differences, to really appreciate each other. I think that's important in the day and age that we're living in, especially when it comes to Christian fellowship. So you guys say, let's try to have a family. Mm-hmm. And apparently that wasn't just a, all right, nine months later, our no. family began. No, not nothing like that. No, it's uh, <clears throat> it wasn't that easy for us. It actually was quite a struggle. Um, we had a strong desire after we got married to to start a family, and um, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And initially, you're, per, you're 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 perfectly content being patient, and it's going to happen because that's what you know. When you're getting you're going to get married, you're going to get kids. That's just the way it is. That's how life works. And um, for, for years, it did not happen to the point that we started to worry. Uh, we started to use 
the calendar and so on to check out what the right times were. Um, we went to doctors. We 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 looked at our both our fertility and ability to to maybe have a baby, and there were definitely some challenges. So there there had to be some some medication and um, lots of it actually. And um, but we were always told that it should be possible, and it just didn't. And for years and years, it didn't. And it, it started to almost create a little bit of a, a wedge between our intimacy mm-hmm. because our desire to have children became so important for us that our intimacy was dictated by it. And um, that was not healthy in hindsight. Mm-hmm. We didn't have people in our lives that could recognize that. It's also not something you share with someone. Right, very uh, Certainly since we didn't really have a church community like we do now. Um, but we ended up trying IUI and then eventually after four years, IVF. And after finally a couple of tries, we were able to get Gretchen pregnant and... Um, five years after we got married, we finally had our prize possession. Our, our son, Sam, was born. What year was that? 2012. Wow. Yeah. All right, so tell me Sam's story. So Sam um, was, like probably any father can relate to, once you hold a child, your first child in your hand, it's, there's this sense of victory. You know, it's like if you ever seen The Lion King, that's how I felt. Mm. I was the lion, and I was holding my offspring up high. Mm. Um, life could not be any better. In the, in the movie, it's the monkey that's holding the lion. That's probably, yeah. in hindsight, very <laughs> true, because I definitely saw myself as a lion, but it was a monkey. You're right. I was a monkey. I'm sorry, I, I love that. I shouldn't be interrupting No, it's true. That, yeah. It's true. It's, I, I never realized that until you just said it, and I've watched the movie a couple of times, but yes, I was a big Dutch monkey holding a beautiful <laughs> son. Um, life was perfect. Yeah. I, all the five years of trying... We never thought about that anymore. We had our boy. We had a life that just on paper was perfect. You know, we had a house in Carmel. I had a great job. I could do almost whatever I wanted. I was, I was, I was successful at every different level in, mm-hmm. in life. Uh, I, I, I loved my wife. I had the child. And just life was just as good as it could get. And with kind of like the idea... So this is why you get married and get a family, because this is it. This is the life that we're all been dreaming about all these years. And um, Sam was strong. He was, uh, we, we, we uh, had a, a, a nickname. He was a, a heavy eater. Um, I have that tendency from time to time as well, but he was, he was, he was real. He was, he was boyish and he was, was kind of loud and he was, he was strong. He was always hungry and um it was just it was just a really really good season mm. and what, to get up what was that nickname uh it's in dutch it's called hunger wolfje which is literally translated as hunger wolf yes a wolf that's hungry which is still it's that's a that's a beautiful nickname we still use that for him um and um, yeah, he was just doing all the right things. He was growing and he was starting to crawl. Uh, we, we, we just went on walks, you know, that, 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 that life with a, new, with a newborn is just so beautiful because mm-hmm. you're so dependent on each other as a couple and you have a child that's so dependent on you and just that realization that you're, you are so needed and essential for this beautiful child's life. It's just mm. really something beautiful. And in hindsight, we only know where that came from. So uh, he, was, he was just, he was perfect. And after five months or so, we decided to, uh, um, to, to show him off. And uh, Gretchen booked uh, a ticket to go to Oklahoma and to, uh, to, her, to her, her mom there and her stepdad. And, 
to Missouri where her dad lived at the time and to make kind of like a, a round to the show tour. off Sam a tour. Uh, so she, I didn't join her. I had some work stuff going on. So she went to, to Missouri first for a couple of days. Then she went to Northwestern Oklahoma and uh, she, um, she, she, uh, she arrived at her mom's place. And I decided to meet her there for the last couple of days. And um, I arrived. It's a teeny tiny little town in Northwestern Oklahoma. It's, it's one of those spaghetti Western towns. It's just, I stick out like a sore thumb, but I absolutely love it because it's time stands still a little bit there. And despite the size and, 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 and uh, the, the feel of the town, news moves really fast. You don't need the internet there because people talk so much with each other. They often know, I always joke about it, they know that I'm going to be there before I do. That's how fast <laughs> news travels in these small little towns. So it was, I loved being there. And I arrived and Sam was just doing so good. He just started to make his first steps and I was looking at him, man, this boy is planting his feet in Oklahoma. This, this Oklahoma air is doing him really, really well and, and good. And um, we just, uh, we, we had a great time that first night and uh, early in the morning, Gretchen's parents let me, Gretchen and I sleep in a little bit. So we woke up probably around like eight o'clock or so. And Sam was already up for hours and doing tricks and all kinds of stuff. And then it was time for um, his mid-morning nap. So um, he was laid in his crib and um, for, uh, for, for a little hour, maybe hour and a half snooze. And um, he, um, he, he never woke up. I remember my mother-in-law holding him, running into the, the living room and there's something wrong with Sam. There's something wrong. So I, I took him over and he wasn't breathing. He was, um, there was nothing left of him. And everything, uh, you, 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 your instincts take over. Mm. So for the next hour and a half or so, um, maybe a little less actually, we, um, I tried resuscitating and five and a half months old baby, um, trying to breathe life in that little body. But I knew, we both knew, Christian and I both knew that it was too late. We really knew from that first moment that we, I held him, we knew he was gone. Mm. But you, you try. You try everything in your power to do. And um, because they live so remote, it took forever for an ambulance to show up. And eventually, after like an hour and 50 minutes, an ambulance, an ambulance does, did show up and, and the trauma helicopter. And they, they took him to the, the nearest town about a half an hour away. And, and, and Christian and I had to follow in a car. We, we can go with him. And uh, I don't think I've ever driven as fast in my life to follow that helicopter. And, um, and then you find yourself... In an in a in a hospital on a hospital floor, crying and desperate and crawled in a corner in a fetal position, just shaking. I'm sure I was trying to pray. I don't remember that, but. You were still, you had that little bit of hope that they could bring him back. But we knew that wasn't going to happen. Christian and I both knew. So we sat there on that floor together. And a couple of hours later, the doctor came out and he confirmed what we knew. Sam had gone. Sam had gone. And everything stops at that time. 
time stops. Mm. Your mind stops. You feel even, I think I felt dead myself. Mm. I know I was holding Gretchen. And I, I remember we told each other, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through We're You and I are going to get through this. And I'm saying that because that's, that's really what we felt. We have to. And then the reality starts to kick in. You drive back to the house. And honestly, I don't remember much of those couple of days other than making phone calls to my parents and I had to tell them that what happened to them years ago just happened to me. They lost their firstborn. And people from all over the US and, 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 and Holland and I had friends all over the world, they, they flocked to Oklahoma to be there with us, which is in hindsight such a beautiful thing that these good friends and, and families, they, they, they just, they dropped everything what they were doing to come see us. Um, because we were absolutely devastated. I'm trying to remember as I'm telling this story, even like how did we get through that first night? And I honestly don't know. Yeah. You feel absolutely dead inside. And it's, of course, I've told the story a couple of times, and I was so angry because it wasn't even a day later that you get the first questions about what do you want to do with the body? And that's such a violent question to a mother that just lost her child. So I, I did a lot of that work so she didn't have to. We both decided we wanted to leave in Oklahoma. He leave Sam in Oklahoma because he chose Oklahoma. He did things when he, in his last couple of hours on earth that we had not seen him do. He showed strength that we had not seen before. So we felt both very compelled to leave him in Oklahoma, in, in Freedom, Oklahoma. That's a little town. And that's where his resting place is. So a couple of days later, my parents were there. Some of my best friends were there. My brother, sisters, they were all there. Gretchen's family came out. And it was just overwhelming to see so many people, so much support. And they're all getting ready to go to Sam's resting place to put him to rest. And, and uh, so many flowers. And I remember sitting in um, Gretchen's parents, Gretchen's mom's house, at their little table, their, their, their little bar, by myself in shock, because that's, you're just in shock. All, all you can do is breathe, because you, you, cannot, you cannot even think straight, Nate. It's just like, it's just like, it, it, it's, mm. it's um, a snow globe in your mind doesn't do it justice. Mm. There's absolutely, um, there's, there's so much broken, inside your heart, inside your mind, that there's not a like you can do. I remember sitting there and Gretchen was, and her mom were taking the flowers to the, to the, uh, the cars that were going to the grave, uh, graveyard to, to put them to rest. And um, I was sitting there by myself and I'm, I'm, Gretchen's purse was sitting on the bar where I was sitting and um, out of nowhere, Out of nowhere, this song started playing from Gretchen's phone that was laying inside her purse that was untouched for all the time I'd been sitting there for half an hour, something like that. And it started playing a song that's called Godspeed by the Dixie Chicks. And this was 
a song, the, the chorus of the song that we used to sing to Sam mm -hmm. before. Before we put him to bed, out of nowhere, that song started playing, that chorus. I cannot even think of the, the lyrics right now. I'll pull that up. The part that's, that started playing was uh, God bless mommy and matched box cars. God bless dad and thanks for the stars. God hears amen wherever you are. And I love you. Godspeed, little man. Sweet dreams, little man. Wow. This part always gets me, especially in hindsight. When that started playing, I remember Gretchen and her mom running in the kitchen because they heard the song starting to play, like, what's, what's going on? And I was sitting there, and Gretchen scrambling to get her phone to turn it off, and we looked at each other. Did you, did you do that? Nobody had touched it. And we felt that maybe that was a, a sign or something. But in all honesty, I didn't think that much of it, which was crazy. But what I can tell you is that Once we got home back to California, darkness set in and, and entered into our life. Mm. We went from shock into darkness and walking into a, an empty house. Where's room? He's still waiting for us. His clothes are still there. But we got home empty-handed and we left the house with a prized possession and came home empty-handed. Mm. So the two of you are just trying to pick up the pieces. Mm -hmm. The reality is setting in. The shock is starting to, to fade. What emotions were you feeling and what was beginning to happen to you? For me, that was the season where darkness crept in, in my heart and in my mind which I'd never experienced before because I'm very half glass full kind of guy, mm. life of the party. And it wasn't there anymore. It's almost like you have to learn to walk again. Because everything reminds you of that beautiful life that you once had. And I was so angry at God. Mm. And I, I turned my back to him. Mm. How can a good God allow this to happen? We waited for five years. And we had him for five months. And he took him back. And for me, all 
the church visits that Gretchen had took me on, and I, I, I wanted to go as well back then, were absolutely useless. Um, it was a fraud. How can you believe in a good God when he does this to me? Mm-hmm. And the pain and the weight of the pain and the loss is it slows everything down in a really bad way. Mm. So death has a tendency to drag one into solitude, darkness, disappointment, anger, resentment, hate. I hated God. And, and, and when that happened, you realize that grief is really complex. Mm-hmm. Gretchen and I were dealing with things in very different ways, mm. at different intensity levels, at different speeds. We needed different things to get our minds off. Um, Sam, and since I turned my back to God, I, there was that other guy waiting for me, mm-hmm. and he showed me exactly where I could find relief. And I did. I started to bury myself in, in, in work again. I started to disconnect from Gretchen emotionally because what do you as a couple talk about after Mm. this Mm. after the last you know do you talk about the last friends episode it just all seems useless Mm. so we drifted away Mm. and I started finding Relief in um, things that were not good. Um, I had a wandering eye. I became more than flirtatious. Hmm. To the point where I had decided that I, I I would allow myself to have an affair. And um, that actually almost happened. Mm. Um, I almost got caught in a um, in cheating. I almost cheated, and that was the time where I I felt I was at my absolute darkest. Because mm. Gretchen found out. And I hurt her so much on top of her intense hardship and sadness and brokenness Mm. of Sam. I was the lowest human you can imagine. I was that guy that hurt her more. And I remember that I um, I remember driving on Highway 1 along Carmel and this big truck was coming my way. I've never been suicidal and I wasn't. But I was almost asking the truck please lose control. Mm. Just take me. Mm. I make things worse than they already are. And they were, it, it, that was the darkest spot where I laid down on the ground, face down, and I was completely done. Mm-hmm. 
and it was a bad time for for clearly for Gretchen and I. She, we had to get through a couple of weeks living under a roof. Gretchen wanted to leave. I begged her to stay, and and it was at one point, and I still don't know what happened. Something tugged on my heart. You gotta go to church. And I was not a churchy guy. You gotta go to church. And I don't know where that came from. Mm. I talked to Gretchen about it. She wanted nothing to do with me. And I, I begged her, please go to church with me. Go to church with me. Let's figure this one out together. Let's not become a statistic. And she ended up reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, re- she reluctantly agreed to go to church with me. We decided that we didn't want to go back to the church in Carmel where we were mm-hmm. going to before, where we got married, but to find a new church. And um, so we made a list of churches in the area that we wanted to go to. And. Um, the first one on the list was Calvary, Monterey. And um, I remember going into this building that didn't look like a church to me. But that clearly was, but it didn't have like a tower and stuff like that. That's the way I see, mm-hmm. I saw church. And it, this one, this building is not like that. I saw a lot of young people churches that I'd seen were not like that Mm -hmm. I actually remember seeing people with neck tattoos and stuff like that churches that I'd been were not like that Mm -hmm. but I do remember that morning that Sunday morning and still to this day Nate every time I walk into the main sanctuary I look at the seat where I was sitting that morning and it was actually it was Matt Gersandi that was teaching. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting at the end of the row on the left-hand side and zoned in. Like I, it was like looking through, it, through a, a binoculars. I, the, all I could see was Matt, and all I could receive was what was coming out of his mouth. And... there was fire starting in my heart. And I, there's no other way to explain what happened that morning because something happened. And it was, obviously it was the spirit just pouring into me. Mm. And I remember that at the end of the service, Matt did an altar call. And I don't even remember vividly doing that, my, but my hand went up. What I do remember vividly is that when that happened, I felt actually Gretchen grab my hand, my arm. She noticed it. And I think, I think for the first time in months, Gretchen felt hope after Sam had passed. That morning I, I gave my life over to Christ. And the following week, we came back, and I did it again, just to be sure. <laughs> but something changed right there and then mm. in me, in my heart, in my relationship with Gretchen. And really, within weeks, we started to see some recovery in our relationship, in our communications, in our healing process. About a couple of weeks after, Gretchen mustered the strength to take up some of Sam's clothes and drop it off here at the church, which is still in hindsight, what incredible strength she must have had Mm -hmm. to do this. But she, she, she went down here with 
some of Sam's clothes and, and um, I don't know how it happened, but, but Matt saw her and recognized her as he was sitting next to that guy that was so intense. Um, and we got hooked into the community here. Mm. And um, I got to know you, I got to know some of the other pastors. Um, and healing started to happen also on um, the spiritual side. Gretchen and I had been going to a grief counselor, a secular grief counselor who was fantastic, mm -hmm. really, really good. And she was, she was compassionate but firm. She met with us together individually. She didn't hold back. She absolutely ripped me, and rightfully so. Mm. Um, but she was compassionate, and her focus was on healing and trying to salvage what we have. And I think the combination of that the sessions with a grief therapist and getting immersed in a in a in a in a true vibrant church where you felt that people loved you um, was really the beginning of a complete new life for us. Mm -hmm. And um, we entered into a life group. We didn't know what that was, Gretchen, and I don't think ever done that. She's done like high school ministry in the past and stuff like that, but we didn't do small groups or life groups, and I'd never even heard of it. So... But we decided, let's, let's do this. Something's good. We felt something good was happening. Gretchen and I were healing mm. together towards each other, but also just our life picking up the pieces. And we, we walked into this life group um, of a random group of people with a same kind of love for Christ, but completely different backgrounds and different ages and... Um, Gretchen and I walked in and said, hi, we're Ernst and Gretchen. We have a dead son. And that life group just embraced us like family. And in that year, in that season, I should say, we just received so much love that started that healing process in our hearts that we could feel that our life was starting to take a turn. Mm. And that all started right here. And that's wow. incredible. Wow. Well, Ernst, I mean, um, I know there's more to the story, but before we continue, I just want to thank you. I mean, what you shared is highly vulnerable and delicate, sensitive, and just moving as someone who's receiving it, listening to it, interacting with it. And um, definitely not for our entertainment, but just highly impactful. And it's just amazing to me that God, you know, who, of course, you were very angry with and upset at that same God, you know, extending his love to you and drawing you, reaching you. And I got to say, you've responded very well over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a delight to see you at this stage of your life. You know, you're in leadership in various aspects of the church. And God's blessed you with a couple of beautiful, crazy, enough energy for 30 kids, <laughs> little girls. And, you know, is doing a, a pretty powerful work in your life. So... That, of course, isn't always the case and always the story, you know, after a season of trauma or incredible grief, uh, but it's been a blessing to see that unfold in your life. So years later, you guys decided to try to have kids again, and no one could replace Sam, mm -hmm. but the Lord blessed you with another pregnancy, and you had a couple of little twins. Tell me the story of the twins being born because that was a traumatic experience in and of itself. Right. Right. Um, we, um, Gretchen and I were ready to try again 
our, her trust in me had been restored for a great part and um, she, she, she wanted to and we wanted to try again which is what's uh, scary so we had still some frozen eggs from Sam's IVF batch mm -hmm. and we decided to try it one more time through lots of prayer um, because there's there'd been times where we wondered if the Lord wanted us to be parents because didn't he just mm. take a child from us mm. and now we are here taking things into our own hands again so that was an, an, um, a not so easy time to to pray through but we did and we felt confident that the that, that the Lord did mm -hmm. want us to proceed and he um, he blessed us with twins the double blessing mm. um, when we found out we were having twins of course we were over the moon um, I'm a twin myself so I, I know twinship is special but I also know that twinship is not easy I remember calling my mom that we were having twins and I, the first thing she said she laughed and she said, it's payback time. <laughs> I found a whole new respect for my mom uh, after having twins myself. But yes, we, um, we were blessed with twins when um, Gretchen was due. And, and we were so grateful that she almost carried them to term. We went to the hospital and um, it was a C-section, hmm. uh, just like Sam. So we were at this hospital again, and um, we felt very confident uh, that, that this was good, and, and this was just something amazing. And um, they, um, w when the procedure started, um, our, our firstborn, Ella, she, um, had to f she had to fight through a little bit to, um, to come to this earth. There were some a few complications, so they one baby gets pulled out, and immediately after, MED came out as well. Um, Ella wasn't good; she had uh, suffered during the birth, mm. and um, she was um, fighting for her life. The doctors were fighting for her life. And I found myself again on my knees in the hospital, not again, Lord, not again, praying that Ella would make it. Probably the most fear I've ever had, just because I'd seen that in the, I stared that in the face already once before. And I remember sitting and praying so hard and desperate again on that hospital floor, praying, praying, praying. And our, our OBGYN was just fantastic. She, she was a boss in that operating room and she took full control over that like, an, like a lieutenant commander in, in, in the Marines. To, to, she knew what needed to be done to win this battle and she did. Um, but that was very traumatic. Wow. Um, to go through that. I d Gretchen was in, in the meantime in a recovery room, so she never knew. Okay. And I, I, I couldn't even tell her about it. So she was holding MED, who was perfectly fine. Wow. That, but Ella was still being worked on. Yeah. Um, and, um, but thankfully, she made it. Yeah. It's, it probably describes her character. She's, she's a tough one. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a very, very scary time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 Interesting enough, it's, it's, that was the, the part, I think, harder on me because I knew I'd seen it before. I knew what could be coming my way again. Mm -hmm. When Sam passed, we knew he was gone already, uh, but we didn't know the road we were going to embark on after that, that darkness. Now I knew, here I go again. Yeah. Um, but the Lord had mercy and um, heard 
our prayers and she turned out to be fine um and um it just it's the most beautiful thing again oh. to hold these two little girls um having twin babies is is not easy um when there's one child and the baby gets up at night and needs to be fed there's not a lot the guy can do let's be <laughs> honest nate so with twins that's different <laughs> the dad has to get in the game all hands on deck all hands on deck so i wouldn't have it any other way it was just beautiful and mm-hmm. and, and and the girls are are fantastic they're yeah. fraternal and they're just absolutely beautiful but um we were still despite the healing that had started in our lives we were still damaged parents yeah. so neither of us slept almost through the night because putting your child in a crib should be very comfortable it's not for us yeah and we realized after a couple of weeks this is not going to fly we can't live like this so we ended up hiring a night nurse to stay awake Mm -hmm. uh, and watch over the girls Wow. She, uh, we had told her our story, and uh, she was a lifesaver. We could get a couple of hours of sleep while she was literally in the room with the girls, mm. making sure they were alive. Mm. To this day, the girls, and they're eight now, they sleep with a monitor in their room. Um, like an, actually, elect, an electronic monitor, yeah, an ele- not someone you've <laughs> hired. Yeah, actually, I, I, I need to do this. Day. We probably took that out probably about a year ago, I want to say. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying that right. A, a year ago, we finally took it out. Yeah. Uh, it's, that was, if it were up to me, they'll sleep with a monitor for the next yeah. 10 years. But, Just uh, speaks to the trauma you experienced yeah. and how that scarred day. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because now, even every night, I... Uh, we go to bed. I always tuck them in. I sneak in their room and um, I, I put the blankets. We've got one wild sleeper and one good one. We t- I tuck them in and to this day I listen. Yeah. If they're still awake. And sometimes when they are really tired, when they're out, you know, yeah, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll shake them a little bit just to make sure. And that's maybe something that may not ever go away. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you that it's it, it's not fear. Because I trust the Lord. I really do. It is just a habit mm. that hopefully one day I don't have to do anymore. Mm-hmm. But to this day I do. And one of the things I always feel that because of the, lo- the, 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 the Sam's loss, we love more. Mm. Like there is, there, they, we're, we're so, we value what we have more than ever. Yeah. Your, your love for your girls and their love for you is so evident. Mm. I mean, one of my favorite things about your family is I love seeing you guys on Sunday. I think it's after they go to church, after they've had their church service down in Calvary kids, Mm -hmm. you take them over to the grill and they get a donut. It's merciful of you to the children's (laughs) ministry team that you let them have a donut after (laughs) But I just yeah. love that, like just the look on their faces. There mm-hmm. they are walking hand in hand with daddy over yeah. to get a donut. And it's just this, it's a liturgy. It's a yeah. tradition. It's a rhythm that you've established with yeah. them. And it's so clear that you love them. Mm-hmm. You are going to have to grow out of that waking them up yeah. or, or nudging them yeah. at night. I mean, you can't go into their college dorm room, you know. And <laughs> you're going to be one of those parents that has a real hard time when oh, that yeah. stage of life oh, yeah. comes. But, sure. Ernst, there's just so many things, you know, that that uh, I could ask you or talk, we could talk more about. There's, of course, you know, s- sometimes I think in our stories we like to put a happy bow kind of on the end mm-hmm. of things. And... I know there's more tragedy yeah. and loss that you've endured. Mm-hmm. The the tragic death of your twin brother mm-hmm. years later. Um, and, of course, there's a long life to live. We don't know the trials that will beset mm-hmm. us, you know. So, I, I, you know, to respect your time and the time of our listeners, I'm going to kind of wrap things up here. But 
we're not trying to say, you know, and then they all lived happily ever after. We're just so thankful to the God who, though we don't understand our trials at times, though we don't and can't comprehend the why so often mm-hmm. of our experiences on earth as believers at the very least what we have is the understanding that he came and he endured a tragedy beyond any of our tragedies Mm -hmm. pain beyond any of our pain and experience that at least with us and is carving out a future for us without any of that stuff and I'm just so proud of you and Gretchen and what God has done in your lives and I'm so thankful that on that day when the Lord was putting on your heart and the spirit was drawing you I'm so thankful that somehow some way Calvary Monterey made it on your list Mm -hmm. and that you came here and that Pastor Matt Gersandi was in the pulpit that day as the vessel that God was going to use Mm -hmm. to reach into your heart and life. I'm just so thankful. So Ernst, I know that you love the church and I'd love for you to, if, is there any encouragement that you'd like to speak to the body of Christ as we wrap it up today? There is. It's easy for us to look at God and what he's taken from us. It's not the way we look at it. It's what he has given us, which is far, far greater than he's ever taken from us. We're thankful. We can truly say that we're thankful for the five months we got with Sam. I'm thankful for the 43 years with my brother. I'm, I'm, I'm true. I can honestly say that. I'm so grateful that we've been given that time. We've been chosen to be Sam's parents. I've been chosen to be my brother's twin brother. I've, so the gratitude is, is, is fantastic and, 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 and really a driver in in our lives, mm-hmm. I think from the way I look at Christ is one that I'm very thankful for. When we learn about the the redemption, the power, the, the redemption power, the power of redemption that 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 Christ can have in our lives, um, I think we're living examples of that. Mm -hmm. That's something that was meant to to destroy us, give us life. I think in a weird way, I'm grateful that when I read in the Bible that God loves us and loves me, that I've actually experienced it. It can be um, difficult to comprehend for people. What does it mean that God loves me? When I was at my lowest, I have felt the hand of Christ picking me up. I don't need to read that in the Bible. I've experienced it. And that's the foundation of my faith. And to me, that's the truth that I live on today, that he does. So that would be my encouragement. He does. We pray that today's discussion has blessed you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and share so we can continue to reach people and make Jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us. Until next time, God bless.